News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome around Saskatoon, anyways, to a very foggy morning. Be careful when you drive out there and make sure you got your uh, taillights turned on because you know that they they don't turn on automatically when you just put your uh, lights on automatic. So uh, I noticed when I was coming in and out from Blockstrap today that it was foggy and it was couldn't see very far ahead of you. So and there's nobody that I that was going by that uh, that had their um, taillights on. So make sure you turn those taillights on and just remember to turn them back on off again when you get out of the car. So. Uh, but it'll beep at you a lot, so like mine did. Beep at me like crazy when I get out, reminding me to, you know, you dumb guy, turn turn off that those headlights again. <laughs> so, but uh, but it's very important because it is uh, how foggy it is out there, and it's patchy. All of a sudden, it's clear for a little bit, and all of a sudden, bang! It's like you can barely see in front of you. So, um, so a lot of people will be seeing that and just slowing down quite a bit. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Give us a call. Uh, on the text line or 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 give us a live call here today and both uh, Jill and myself will be able to answer any question that you have about your gardens about your house plants uh, maybe you're doing some seeding right now and uh, or maybe we're going to be talking a little bit about some uh, last minute pruning right now as well and I brought a few things along that I wanted to talk about as well and we're going to talk about some of those as well so good morning Jill. Good morning. It was so great to see people bustling around the garden center yesterday. And I think spring is definitely in the air and people are getting the itch to garden, um, picking up herbs and looking at perennials in the greenhouses, um, picking up a few tropicals for their home and refreshing and repotting things, um, sort of picking up soil testers to test their soil already. So people are really starting to get excited about gardening. So make sure you call in today if you have any questions. Yep. Um, you're starting to sort of get inspired about what to do in your yard um, or what's bugging you, what's happening to some trees. We can definitely yep. help you here with that. Yeah, last week was Gardenscape. So that sort of wrapped up. And Regina, you had the, the Home and Garden Show as well. So everybody's, you know, that's the big kickoff to spring, I always say. So now people are really starting to come into the garden center and get excited about, uh, last week I was helping, last weekend I was helping out with the plant sale. We sold all the bulbs and all the flowers and plants that were left over from, we put in all the gardens and that at Gardenscape. And so everybody was excited. Now, one question I've been getting about those garden bulbs is so they have the tulips and the hyacinths yes. and everything like that. And um, a lot of people are coming into the store right now asking for tulips. Yes. And uh, those are actually a fall bulb that you plant in the fall. Or if you... Like crocuses yesterday, people yes, asked me about. Yes, exactly. So you can actually, if, once they're finished blooming, if you pick some up at Gardenscape, you can actually plant them out into your garden if you want to. And In, um, in May. In May, like once the weather gets <laughs> gets warmer and your nighttime temperatures yep. are going to be there. and Or even once the um, once they have finished blooming, you can cut them back down if you want to as yeah. well. Leave the leaves up there because yeah. the energy is going back into, into the, the bulb. Bulbs. Okay, so if you cut the leaves off, then the energy will go back in the bulb. So. And then they'll bloom again for years to come. So, But make sure also, you got to remember the bulb was placed very about at least halfway down to three quarters of the way down in the pot. Mm-hmm. So you can remember those bulbs can be planted six inches below the ground. So take that about, take that, that bottom third and figure, okay, well, six inches from there down. Yes, make sure you okay. plant them deep enough for them they're not going to survive the winter. And the other thing is, is hyacinths, those beautiful smelling ones, those are actually a houseplant bulb. So you'll store them in your cold storage area. They don't work to be planted outside and survive the winter. Yeah, okay, there you go. Well, we have already Mary and Regina joining us, Jill. So let's go right to the phone calls. Uh, 1-877-332. Two eight two five five to join us here. Good morning, Mary. How are you today? Good, thank you. 
Um, I have uh, three dwarf mugo pines. Two of them have made it through the winter, and one of those two, this past winter, something has been eating it. The branches are, like, you can see where it's been chewed on. Okay, so the branches themselves or just the needles have been taken off? No, the branches. Yeah, so the branches, it, it can, it's going to be a, a, a either a rabbit or a deer, or it's going to be a vole, okay? Now, the vole, what he'll do is if, it, if there's a whole bunch of snow in amongst those branches all winter, which most likely there was, they'll crawl, once they find it, they'll crawl up the branches and they'll just keep eating up on, on, the, on the bark, right? And during the wintertime, while, it's, while, they're, while they're hidden underneath the snowbank. So those are probably, if they're chewed off the bark, uh, then, then you've got, like I said, one of those three. The deer usually will eat the needles as well. Uh, that's what they did to mine. They ate all the needles. They didn't touch the bark so much. They just ate the needles. And the rabbits uh, will eat the bark mainly around the base, but the, but the, the voles will climb right up the stems and eat, eat, uh, eat the bark right off the stem. So as you probably have voles. What do you do to get rid of those? Or combat them. Yeah, the, the voles are tough because you need to get rid of them in the fall. Uh, they'll be hanging around, especially if you've got mulch and those kind of things. And make sure what you do is I have um, basically the best way for voles is you use a mouse trap, just a regular wooden snap trap. And you, uh, you put, you put uh, peanut butter and a craisin or a raisin on top of the peanut butter. You'll catch lots of voles. Okay. Do you have a bird feeders as well? No, I nope. don't. Okay, so and you know when when you talk about deer, well, I'm in the city, so I haven't seen any deer. Yeah, yeah, you probably have voles in. Uh, are okay. you near a park or have a back alley or something like that? In your where you are? Oh, uh, there's a park a street away. So yeah, a street away. So that's still a little ways away. But if if they're chewing on that bark like that, it's going to be a vole. So what you have to do is, like I said, use a snap trap, just a regular mouse trap. Peanut butter and and a, a craisin or a raisin on top of that, but put that in a shoe box and cut some holes so the voles can get inside, or a little box, or stick it underneath something, uh, whether underneath the shed or somewhere where it's it's hidden a bit. Because if you leave them wide open, then the little birds come down and get that raisin, and they get caught in the trap as well. So that's why I put them in something that I can that the mice can get inside. But if you put that in there, you'll catch. Uh, with people use nada, they said they've caught 15, 16 voles in their backyard, okay? Because voles reproduce really quick. So, I would, you know, I was surprised because it's in my front yard. Yep. And, and it's not like there's any shed or anything around for it to. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's found someplace. But if it's eaten all the bark on the, on the trunk, then it's, it's got to be that. Because unless you have a, a jackrabbit in your area too, but uh, like I said, the jackrabbits will eat mainly around the trunk, around the base. They won't climb up into the tr- into a mucle pine. Uh, but well, the, you know, these pines are really small, like maybe two feet tall at the very well, most. Well, it could so be. the branches are, are tiny branches yeah. that they've chewed right off. Yeah. Then, then it's, it could be a jackrabbit. There's, I know in, in, in Saskatoon and even Regina, there's lots of jackrabbits around. So have you noticed any rabbit tracks around your yard? They're around the yards um, around you? Yeah, I, I know we do have rabbits, but I, yep. I didn't even think of rabbits. Yeah, it could be the rabbits then. And I, the rabbits, you can put a tree guard, which is just a wrap that you put on the base of the tree. No, not on mugle pines. Mugle They're pines. Too, too small. You'd have to put actually a little fence around them. Okay. For, just for the wintertime. You can take it off again in the spring. But uh, cause okay. they, they won't, they won't and, go after uh, You know that the trap for the voles, when would you do that? I would do it in the fall. 
okay. uh, you can do it. That's when you want the gathering around, you know, because during the during the summertime, there is even grasses and the, and weed seeds and all that kind of stuff, right? But okay. uh, but in the fall, that's when you want to get them before they get underneath the snow and when they can uh, when they can chew on the branches. So do it in the okay. fall, starting September, right up until the snow comes. Just put them out okay. there, and you can bring down your numbers. Okay. All right, then. Uh, have Thanks a great very day. Much. Yep. Bye bye. Okay, we're going to go, we have here on the line, we have Kyle on the line, but we're going to go to a quick break right now. Uh, actually, we've got a, uh, we can do this. We've got, we got a minute. we got a minute. We can do this. Good morning, Kyle. How are you today from Esteban? Uh, not too bad. Yourself? Very good. Um, I've got about a five-year-old apple tree right now, yes. um, and I had a snowdrift that went over the entire tree. Yep. And as the snowdrift melted, it snapped all the branches off right at the trunk. Oh. So I still I still have the trunk there, yep. but all of the branches are just hanging there. Um, I'm kind of just not sure what to do with the tree if it's going to die completely or if I can. No, it'll be fine. It. It'll be fine. It's 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 funny that 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 snowdrift. It must been. It must, did you pile any snow on on top of the on top of the on the trees or did it go there no, naturally? It, how it came in. Uh, I've got a caragana hedge that kind of ends uh, in front of that. Yep. And it kind of curled over like a wave. That uh, snow drift. Yep, and then probably so fell. I think it just had that downward pressure. The downward pressure, and it probably fell when it got wet. You know, it, when yeah. it, as you started getting warmer. Yeah, so, exactly. And we had that fast melt, so it yep. uh, it came off pretty quick. So anyway, some of the branches are going to be bent down. Are they actually snapped, or are they just bent down? They're snapped right off, clean off. Yep. Like they're just hanging by a bit of bark. Yeah, so just what you can do with those is that I would suggest if they're just hanging off a bit of bark, trim them off. You can do that right now, and now is a perfect time to do that. Okay. And, and right where you trim those little, basically you'll have a collar, what I call a collar. Right, Just leave that collar on there if you can. Okay. okay so don't cut really tight. You'll see a little, it looks like a little, um, like you'll see a collar. It's like little rings right close to the trunk, okay? Okay. It's very close. Leave those on there, and you'll get new branches will come out of those collars. Oh, okay. Okay. Right on. So the tree will live then. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Thanks Thanks for the call. Have a great day. Okay. We're going to go to a break right now. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Jill Van Damnick and Rick Van Damnick. My daughter Jill is joining me every week, which is awesome. And uh, we have a lot of fun together and just listening and talking about your questions and all your ish problems you might have with your plants or successes as well. So one 332 Then you can do that by calling us and asking the question directly, or you can give us the same number uh, as a text as one 332 And talking about text, we're going to go right here to a text here, Jill. Good. Uh, this is from William in Regina. Good morning. Is there anything I can apply to my lawn in the fall that discourages voles? It really makes a mess of my lawn. Thank you, William from Regina. So there again, um, make sure that you you're cut your grass uh, basically about an inch and a half long. Okay, not too short, but not too long either. Because in the summertime, I like to be leave it just over two inches long. But for the, I don't like it to lay really f- the snow pack it down and lay it flat where the where the voles have lots of places to stay. Also, uh, make sure that you you just like we talked about in the very first caller. Uh, it was Mary, I believe, that talked about her her pine that was being eaten. So just make sure in the fall you place some of those shoe boxes around with some holes in them that the mice the voles get inside and put some put a few traps inside, uh, just those ordinary cheap wooden 
most traps with some peanut butter and a craisin or raisin on top of them, and you'll catch all the voles in the fall and get get rid of them uh, right away in the fall because that's when they move into your yard and look for places to hide or a place to sleep uh, for the winter time, and uh, whether it be you know in amongst the mulch in the garden or underneath the garden shed or anywhere that you know some some uh now naturally with um i know plants um i'm not a lawn expert but with plants i know that keeping them healthy keeps the pets pests away so would that apply to voles in the lawn as well if you have a healthy garden healthy healthy lawn they'll say yum okay so it's different with (laughs) the lawn it's different with the with the with the animals they they just move in so and the main people that do have problems with voles would be if you're backing onto a a park or something like that that's where people are on a farm or acreage. That seems where the most problems in. But you do get sometimes when uh, you get some, uh, whether it be you or your neighbor has some places where they have some wood stacked up or, you know, sheds that they can hide underneath, and those kind of things. That's where they'll gather. And, uh, and, uh, and what are the signs of having a vole? Well, on the voles in the spring, when the snow disappears, you'll see all these, especially in the grass, that's where they mostly have issues. It's not as much you see them in the trees. Is with the lawn, it's all, you see these trails of of basically of grass clippings okay and so and then they eat right down to the roots okay and so you almost have trails you of have dead trails grass. of dead grass or look little puffs of trails of grass all over all three or where your where your snow was and then if they end up hitting where the shrubs are then they tear they eat all the bark right off the tree and especially if you've got fruit plants like Saskatoons or any kind of uh, sour cherries or apple trees or plum trees or whatever, they find those that they bounce into them when they're going through the snow and they find them, they say, well, all those fruit trees are like dessert, right? Okay. So, well, speaking about grass, I think there's another text that came in about grass and about what type of seed that Al wants in his um, yard. He's got a backyard facing north, some sun, some shade. What's the best mixture to use? Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, for that one you want to use, there is a sunshade mix because if it's quite a bit of shade, remember the sun ones are mostly Kentucky's grasses and they love full sun. So if you're going to go in the shades, then you want to use more of a fescue grasses, okay? So so find a mixture that is either either sunshade or if it's a lot of shade, and what you can do then is you go to a, there's mixtures out there that say dense shade. Okay. So a lot of shade. And then they will do a lot better, whereas your Kentucky bluegrasses for the sun, they will just decline, 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 and then you will you won't have very much grass growing in those areas. And you have to watch your moisture too, because you always know as a shady area, you get some mosses growing and those kind of things. So just watch your watering. So that's why you can't put it on the same watering schedule as you do as the areas in the sun. So that's difficult for a lot of yards that have automatic sprinklers because the sprinkler lines just run... In areas, so if you if you do ever set up a sprinkler system where you can you can zone different areas that might be a, you know that's going to be shadier, uh, then even an even later time when trees grow up or you know whatever, but most buildings is the problem. Put it up, put those on a separate zone, and then you can water them totally different than you do in the sun areas. So, bottom line, if I have a yard that has kind of a mixed area, then I want to use a mixed blend because yeah. it will look funny if I grab a shade blend and a yeah. sun blend and do half and half. Yeah. Um, it will be completely two different colors of grass on each side of yeah. your yard. So, use a mixed blend. And you can that. always supplement a little bit of d- a dense shade grass in those areas as the as you see the other ones decline. Okay, okay. in the sun mixes, mm-hmm. and then just uh, apply a little bit. more more of the of the dense shade grass in those really dense areas where they're right up against the house or things like that okay or just don't put grass at all put mulch in those areas okay that's the best thing Perfect. uh we have here i think we can maybe we can do this here uh, we have tom in choice land tom good morning tom hello there i was just wondering um what you can do about those maggots 
or worms or whatever you want to call them that yep. eat your radishes and everything. Yeah, okay, so they're, if they're eating your, anything that, that's eaten in the ground, okay, whether it be onion maggots or in the radishes and those kind of things, and even for the, for your radishes, that we've, a lot of people have been having problems with the, with the flea beetles eating the tops of them as well, okay? So the best thing to do is that as soon as you, Pick a different location than you did last year, okay, Tom? And then what you want to do is you want to plant your your seed in the ground, and then you want to get some crop cover, which is that white fabric. It's very light, and it lets light and water through it. And you want to put basically put some sticks and that kind of stuff to hold it up off the ground, or there's little wires you can get. You can buy them that are that are like an accordion, and it basically has it all attached to the wire little wire hoops. It's like a mini greenhouse, okay, that fits over top, and it's all this fabric. It's not plastic, okay. And then you you cover up the sides so the flies can't get underneath. Because what happens is that the flies that maggot is 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 basically um, is in the larva stage right now underground. What happens in the spring is that fly will 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 basically come out of the larva, come out of the ground, and then fly around and land on something yellow. And what do we have in the spring that's yellow? Dandelions. Dandelions, carraganas, those kind of things. Okay. And so they'll hang around, wait for your onions to, to pop out of the ground. And as soon as they pop out of the ground, they go to that, that plant, the radishes or the, or the onions, and they lay their eggs. And then they go down into, this, the, down into the soil and then eat all summer long, okay? So what I'm doing is I'm protecting them from the fly getting, getting onto the plant. Getting there. Yes, from getting there. Okay. So, and that's the, the best way. There used to be products out there all the time. We used to be able to put in the soil around your seeds and that kind of stuff, but they're all long gone. Yeah, yeah. I uh, know my mom used to use, I forget whatever she yeah. used to use. Uh, yeah, Daretox or not Daretox, but Diazinon, granular Diazinon. There was quite a few different things, but those have been all long gone off the market. She used to put that stuff there uh, when she planted her onions and radishes yeah. and stuff, yeah. So all you can do is put the crop cover on there, but you got to cover up the edges so that the flies can't, because they'll find ways of getting at them, okay? so Underneath. And it's just like putting a mosquito screening around them, except for this is a, and then you, you'll you leave it on for a few weeks, and that's why I want to raise it off the ground a little bit so the plants can grow, have room to grow, and then the flies will disappear. They'll go somewhere else and look for someone else to lay their eggs, and then you can take it off again. What, so um, so there's no chemical, or I mean, there's, there's nothing you can use? There's no, ke- there's, there's absolutely no chemical. There's absolutely no chemical at all. No stuff, but... Yep, that's all been taken off the market. So they used to even have a neem, which was more more of an organic. But they because uh, that one has not on, on the market here in in, in Canada, uh, because they the company hasn't done the research here for it. But you'll see it down in the states and everywhere else. But you can neem was more pretty good, but uh, it's not available in Canada. Mm-hmm. What about? Um I know you were talking something about before it was biological or well yeah the, the nematodes though the problem with them is that they're they're um uh the, there's no nematodes for actually a radish maggot right that uh, that I know of okay okay and there's probably going to be something coming out because they're finding things all the time, but I can go after cutworms and grubs and those kind of stuff, but I'm not going after the maggots yet and same thing with the uh apple maggot i don't haven't found a I, if I could find one a nematode for apple maggot that'd be awesome, but I just haven't found one. Yet. Yeah, natural insect control is the best That's way the to best. go. Yeah. But not not yet, but we're but, yeah. getting more and more every year that every we're year. finding out about. Yep. But, so what can you use that on all, all that nematodes? Uh, on, on sod webworms, on on uh, on cutworms, on other other types of cutworms and maggots in your in your grass and in your garden. 
And what about uh, on cabbages or anything? Like uh, nope, nothing. On cabbages, I would do the same thing that what he's telling you to do with the radishes because yep. it's those little um, moths that are landing on them and those are what's eating them. And that would work exactly mm-hmm. for that as well. So what are you talking about? You mean the screen? The screen, yep. You can put that over top of your cabbage or your, or your yeah, your cabbage or cauliflower and those kind of things as well. And we call it a crop cover is what we call yep. when you go into the store. So it's just a, a vegetable crop crop cover. Yep. And it's also a frost blanket too. So it, it, it works actually, great for it many actually, different things. Yeah, it actually gets your plants to get going faster as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Yep. Well, thank you very have, much. Have a great day. You too. I- We're going to go to a news break right now. You're talking to uh, Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good, good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Davendick, and my daughter Jill has joined us here as well to uh, answer all your questions about gardening indoors and out. We've had lots of great questions yep. this morning. I think the hot topic of today has been the voles, though. The voles, yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was another one here about how do I, how do I get rid of all the voles, and, and the same thing as we talked about. The best way is, is just putting those, those traps out there, put them inside of a box of some sort or underneath something so that the birds don't get caught in them. And that's the best way to get rid of them. Uh, here, also, Jill, we have here, how do I get rid of all those little black flies around the house, Jill? Well, black flies are fungus gnats, um, and so they usually are started larva stage in the soil. Um, you can do a few different things. We have a, a, a ball buster that we can do, a natural insect that you can sprinkle on the soil, and it will eat up the larva. It's a granular, really easy to use and really effective, so that's natural insects that you can use. Um, increasing the airflow in the area, so um, adding a fan to your area. They don't like a lot of airflow once they're flying around sticking those sticky sticks which are those yellow sticks those yep. will catch the adults and then sometimes what i'll do is i will put a potato or an apple on the soil a slice a slice slice it up at nighttime when you're having your nighttime snack yep. put some on your plants and then in the morning remove that top half inch of a soil it will draw them all to the surface and then so you'll catch the lab larva stage that way and then the adults will be caught by the um, sticky traps okay so lisa from saskatoon asks here so what's the time of the year do I best to prune my lilac trees? Okay, lilac trees, if you're going to do a major pruning, like you have one 12 feet high and I need to bring it down to six or four feet high, then you got to do that right now, okay? But if you're just doing a light trimming just to shape it, do it after it finishes blooming because if you trim all the, if you do all your trimming in the spring of lilacs, you cut the blooms off every year. They set their blooms in their fall. So that's why if you're just doing a light trimming just to shape them right after they finish blooming, Trim them, uh, deadhead them, trim them, and then give them some fertilizer. They put lots of growth on, and they'll bloom again like crazy the next year. But like I said, if you're doing a major pruning, you have to do it in the dormant season. You will lose your flowers for most of your flowers, not all of them, but most of your flowers for two years, and then they'll come back the second year after you get a lot of growth again. So also we have here... Um, good morning, Rick and Joe. What causes potatoes to have brown, brown dark veining through through the inside of potatoes half the potatoes were unusable last year well some of the things we had last year is one of the top reasons for it is yep. our weather so if it's hot and dry and the plants are not getting enough water that will cause it and the other thing is soil composition so not enough nutrients in the soil or too much of some nutrients in the soil so make sure you have some phosphorus in that soil um, is really important yeah just remember in potatoes area don't put a ton if you're going to especially if you're in the country that you're using a whole bunch of manure and that kind of stuff Great in, in where you have your other crops, but not great for where you have potatoes because too much compost will cause uh, um, potato scab. 
Okay. So, and that's why you need to move your potatoes around quite a bit. But, and they yeah. also say that, that you most commonly see it in sandy soils as well, too. So if you have a soil that's too sandy, it's probably because it's not holding enough water yeah. for those potatoes, and yeah. then you'll see that as well. So there's a name for it. It's called, called cro- necrosis. necrosis, right? That's what it is. Okay. So, um, so the, anyways, um, yeah, just watch your moisture level on them. Um, we also have uh, Lana from Eagle Lake. I have a grow light about six inches above my plants and I have done it all winter. But now that the sun is shining, do I turn the grow lights off when the sun is shining? Uh, basically what you want to do is if there's lots of light, because remember, even when you put them in the window, they all want to grow toward the light. They, so they want to bend, which is fine. You just have to make sure you turn your trays. Uh, but otherwise, you, right now you still want light on for at least 12 to 14 hours a day. Okay, so you can put your if you want. You want to you can put your lights on. You put a timer on them and put them on the shoulders, like in the morning and the evening, to gain that time. Um, but uh, otherwise, you still want to have the lights on until until you move them outside, just so that they don't do so much of that stretching, where they want to stretch and go to the light. That's the big reason. And the other thing too is when you're growing indoors, it's always a filtered light that you're, you usually have. It's filtered through the window. It's filtered through your, usually something's a little ways away from the window too. So remember it's a filtered light. So you want to be giving these plants a consistent amount of light. Um, usually about 12 to, to 14 hours is ideal. And, uh, and then you can get them growing. Okay. So I have another question that rolls right into that. Jill is a good morning, Rick and Jill. I've mentioned, you have mentioned the use of a fan for seedlings. So that's mm. the same thing at the yeah. light now. Um, when, uh, sorry, when, should, when should you start putting yeah. that up? No, no, when should you put the fan up and how far from the plants? Also, I'm assuming you just want enough speed to move the plants as much as the wind would blow them up uh, or down or, or otherwise they would dry out. My tomato seedlings about two inches tall and have herbs up but not as tall. So we put a fan up right at the beginning of the seed starting stage. So as soon as we start seeing those first set of leaves come up or even the second set of leaves, you can add that fan in there. It's going to add airflow to your greenhouse, which is really perfect. It'll even keep the moisture so it doesn't build up too high on the surface of the soil as well, right? But so. you, like you said, you're, if you have it pointing directly at yep. the plant, it's going to dry that plant out quickly, yep. especially if you're only misting at, a, at an early stage too when you're watering. So make sure that you don't have it pointing directly like on the soil but have it blowing in the area. Of the Basically, plant. you just want to see the plants, just the leaves just slightly moving. I don't want to have them blowing you know, over. Blowing over. <laughs> I got to stake them up to keep them up or anything. No like hurricanes. So no hurricanes. So just a light breeze. You just see the leaves moving just slightly and that's all you really need to do to take care of that. So, um, okay. Good morning. I've overwintered barrier geraniums in paper bags and have recently potted them up. They have started to grow now. When should I fertilize them and how often? Really enjoy the show. Thank That's you. amazing. So you've got some bare root geraniums. We're doing yep. lots of bare root perennials right now, too. Yep. You can do your perennials a few different ways. You can top dress with a slow-release fertilizer, and then every time you water, it's getting a little bit of fertilizer. Or you can fertilize with just a 20-20-20 fertilizer, and that works fine, too. We have some great organic blend fertilizers that you can use as well. So just fertilize. Biggest thing with perennials right now is you want to harden them off during the day. You can put them out during the day as long as our temperatures are out 5 degrees. Yep. Bring them in at night, and when our temperatures are consistently around that 5 degrees, then you can put them outside. Now, just remember with those geraniums indoors and all your seeds, whether you're doing, we talk about tomatoes and herbs and everything else mm-hmm. doing right now, make sure that second number, you don't need a ton, ton of nitrogen. You don't want to force them growing inside. You want to just get them nice and nice and just small and sturdy. So with the, with the fan and everything else, but don't use too much phosphorus. So don't use a 20, 20, 20. Don't use a 15, uh, 30, 15. You know, if you might have those around for your flowering plants and vegetables. Just use a low nitrogen, low phosphorus, okay? Because then you won't get the stretching. 
So uh, even the alfalfa pelletilla I talk about, uh, there's lots of other fertilizer, organic fertilizers for vegetables you can use, or flowers, that just have low numbers. That's the best way to do that. Okay. Now, um, I'm assuming she's talking about a perennial geranium in this one, not an annual geranium, so it's two different plants there. Mm, so I just uh, want to make I, sure. I think she might be talking an about annual a, an annual geranium okay. here. So. Okay. Either or. Either or. So anyways, uh, we've got another one here, a quick one. We're going to do Jill uh, Terry from Swift Current. I have a spring snow ornamental crab tree that has several broken branches and heavy snow, just like we had earlier in the call about his apple tree. Is it okay to prune them off right now? Uh, absolutely. Now is the time. This this week in, in I like May, March and the first week of April to prune all my fruit trees. Okay, so if you haven't done it yet, get out there this weekend or this week and get prune your, your fruit trees. Uh, great time to do that broken or just you're doing some regular maintenance on your tree. Now's the time you want to get out there. We're going to go to a break right now. Uh, so join us when we get back at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Rick Van Damenek and Jill Van Damenek. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and thank you for joining us here. I'm Rick Van Damnick, and my daughter Jill is here with me. And Sharon from Swift Current, we're going to go right to the calls because uh, 1-877, I better give that number out right away, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. call or text. Uh, but Sharon, definitely thank you for calling us, Sharon from Swift Current, your question for us. Okay, my question was, uh, I wondered if it's too late to start a few um, <clears throat> squash and uh, cucumber seeds in the house. It's definitely the right time to start cucumbers. It might actually be a little early. Like you, you usually want to start your cucumbers in, in March. Yep. Um, look at your packaging because everything has different dates. Some cucumbers can be as early as, uh, 60 and, and same with some squash and some can be as late as 120 days. So make sure you look at how many days they are till maturity and then count back those days on a calendar. That's really important. So it completely depends on the date. Um, but definitely get them started. Get that nice, um, soil temperatures up with us with a heat mat and, uh, and some nice humidity to get them going. Especially for the cucumber, squash, and pumpkins. You don't want to start them too early because otherwise they get so big that you, you, you're wondering it's going to push you out of the house almost. But, you know, so. um, vegetable gardening is a huge trend right now, so yep. if you miss out on some of those dates, be sure to stop into a garden center and we'll have the seedlings started for you as well. Yeah. Uh, I like to start them um, uh, not too late because I don't use grow lights. I just use a window that faces south. Yep. 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 So now's a great time to get them started. Okay. okay. Just make sure you have a little bit of air moving around so you don't get uh, with, especially in watch your watering. Try to water over the soil, not over top the leaves of those cucumbers and squashes. Very important when you're starting them indoors. Okay. Uh, I appreciate your tips very much. Thanks uh, again. Have a great day. And right away we have here Joe from Prince Albert. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Rick and Joe. I'm looking at purchasing a bonsai tree from a friend okay. and uh, it's, it's, it's apparently 22 years old and it's quite large about three feet high and three to four feet across i'm never owned one before i'm limited to uh, northern exposure um, in my home and just wanted to know if that's uh, recommended or do you need to go more with a, a more sunny location? Well, the best thing I would do is talk to your friend about what type of location they had it in their house because transferring it and going through um, shock of it moving from one location to the next would be the biggest thing that I would be concerned about depending on what type of um, uh, bonsai it is. It could be a ficus, an evergreen. Which What kind did you have? 
Oh boy, that's I don't even know. No, you don't know. Is so- it leafy or is it evergreen? You know? Leafy. 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 So it most likely it might be a type of ficus is what I'm guessing. And ficus don't like to change their environments very much. So you might see some leaf drop as soon as you get it. And that's completely normal. Now, remember, bonsaiing is a way to grow a plant. It's not a type of plant. Okay. Um, yeah. There is actually some great um, societies and some great networking groups that you can find online and also that meet together as well. And bonsaiing is definitely a hobby that you can get into. But biggest thing is, is he's had it for or she has had it for 22 years and you'll want to make sure that you're sort of mimicking the same environment and the same care that they had it. So ask lots of questions of them and then try and mimic that same environment will be the most important thing. Remember, bonsaiing is a mixture of trimming the leaves on the plants and also trimming the roots, roots on the plants yeah. to keep that plant smaller. It's the art of keeping a plant small. Um, right. So that's kind of the fun thing that you get to work with. And remember, it is an art. It is something that you get to kind of be creative with and grow with, and it's a hobby. So um, you will make mistakes in doing learning a new hobby, and you will have successes. So make sure that you're just, you don't be too hard on yourself. Um, you will have some times you will see some leaves dropping on that and that is completely normal um, but just sort of try and, um, a- and adapt as much as possible and, and reach out to the communities around and you. even a grow light mm-hmm. right having a grow light for the plant uh, just to supplement some light in your north exposure you know that would be great as well yeah sure okay well, great thanks a lot thanks you guys. for calling have a great day All right. bye okay we have uh, a question here Jill I've got a lot of house plants and um, uh, a lot of houseplants, succulents, and others. I have a lot of powdery mildew on the plants this winter, more than ever. What causes this? How can I prevent it? And what's the best way to treat it? Well, powdery mildew is a fungus, and so it's spread by spores. So it will spread. But the biggest thing that powdery mildew is caused by is from overwatering your plants or water sitting on the leaves. So maybe it's there's too much moisture in the air, too much humidity, and you have water sitting on the leaves or you're misting too often. So make sure you decrease your, your misting. You can get some garden sulfur or a fungicide spray, or even the safer three-in-one three has in that one. Yeah, three as well, one. too. Yep. Um, spray that on the plant leaves, and then uh, it will leave a little bit of residue on there, um, but it will definitely stop the fungus from getting worse. Now, the fungus is also going to do a little bit of damage, and you will see some browning on the leaves with that. Trim back your plants, get some new growth going, and give it some sunlight and fertilizer, and you should be successful. Okay, Jill here. We have here Linda from Saskatoon. Um, she says here that... Um, here we go. Where did I go? I have, I have good morning. I've, my tomatoes started. They're coming into the third leaf stage. When should I pinch them back? tomato plants, you don't want to pinch them back unless they are an indeterminate variety. And when they're indeterminate variety, you're not pinching the tips out of the plants, you're pinching the runners on the side. So if you want to see a diagram on that, learn, um, look up how to trim an indeterminate variety of tomato. Yep. Tell people the difference in what means a determinate and indeterminate. So an indeterminate variety is a variety that requires staking and pinching and pruning and that will help it promote um, getting fruit because otherwise you'll get all all these runners that all this energy is going to go out so into. So is what they use in a lot of greenhouses. They yes. want to go right to the top of the greenhouse. It's like a vine. They just keep growing okay. and growing and growing. Yep. And determinant varieties are, I always say, the size is already d- uh, determined. A bush type. A bush type. So those ones are best for your pots, um, for your window boxes, hanging baskets, or even if you have a small space garden. Okay, so um, yeah, that's that takes care of my text. As Jill, we got one call coming in right now. So you know what? There's a lot going on in the gardening right now. Check out if you want more information. Also about uh, um, the University of Saskatchewan has a whole bunch of great classes on right now. Go to University of Horticulture, and you'll see a lot of classes you can you can 
per- purchase the classes, and they're all online by Zoom or variety. Gardening.usask.ca. Yeah, so just University of Saskatchewan Horticulture, and you'll find all these classes there. Uh, some of the great ones you can just do right from home. We're going to go quickly here to, uh, we only got a, just a quick time here, Tom, but uh, your question. Yeah, I forgot to ask you with the cabbage. Do you leave that covering on all the time? You you can absolutely you can, but what you well, especially on your cabbages, uh, you probably don't have to put them on at the beginning, but you need to put them on when they start when the moths start showing up. In okay, and them white butterflies exactly. Then you put the cover on then, so you can do it either way. Because okay. yeah, they fly around all summer. Yeah. So you can move you can move them around from the onions to the cabbage, and you can move it around as well, so you don't have to have so much of it. Okay, well, that takes care of our show for today. Well, thank you for joining us. I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about here. but <laughs> Next time. Next, we'll save next that week. for we'll next get, week. We're going to a two-hour show next week, so come and join us then. Uh, you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.